You are listening to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel, and we have been speaking with Paul Castellaro from Centurion Ministries, the last uh, podcast we did, and he has agreed to come back and talk to us again. Just to refresh, Centurion Ministries is the first Innocence Project created in the world. Quite an honor. And Paul talked to us a little bit about the history of Centurion last time. So please begin at the beginning if you're just tuning in. So we spoke about um, a case that we will be digging into in depth uh, next time, the Larry Walker case. And um, now what I like to do is open things up a, a little bit. Paul has been with Centurion since its inception in about 1983. So when you think of the tremendous experience he has had and the um, perspective, uh, I, I feel we have a, a very remarkable person who is with us today. So welcome back, Paul, to the Thank program. you. Very kind. Okay. Uh, can I just correct one thing? We're, we're, yes, we're, sure. We're not... Um, the Innocence Project. We're not. A, we are. We do innocence work. I okay. Don't, I don't want people to to think, or anybody to think that we're claiming to be Innocence Project. We are. We we are an innocence organization. Oh, that's, that's better. Okay. Yeah, rather and, than use the word project. Yeah, right. We're an innocence organization, and we are the first innocent organization in the that's, world. Much, much better. And I appreciate the correction. Very good. Very, very good. All right. Um, so as as someone who's been with this Innocence Organization for so many years, um, what, what stands out to you over all the years in terms of, say, our justice system or um, the prosecutors that you have dealt with? I mean, you've dealt with so many people, juries, is there anything that you feel you want to share about all that experience that you've had? Uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing that stands out to me is the is the uh, 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 continued opposition uh, to people who say they are innocent and in jail, and the acts of uh, in various states uh, to limit people's ability to litigate their convictions post-conviction. You know, what happens is you go to trial and, and you get convicted, then you have a right to direct appeal. And you have, that's constitutional right. So you, you take a direct appeal and then you lose the direct appeal. Then the next avenue you have to try to litigate your case would be a post-conviction, called the post-conviction relief petition or a habeas petition mm -hmm. you know it's and and then you generally allege facts in in the, in that kind of proceeding that are kind of that may be outside the record in in your trial for instance you know my lawyer didn't investigate the case or the prosecutor you know uh you know submitted false evidence and because you've obtained this proof after your conviction and and, and so the proceeding is called post-conviction over the years, over the years, as more and more and more of these wrongful convictions 
have been shown to have occurred, a lot of places have imposed stricter and stricter uh, limits on, you know, on post on your ability to, to litigate uh, post conviction. For instance, though, uh, it, you know, imposes statute of limitations. You know, you have to do it within a certain period of time, and 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 a lot of places do not like down south. A lot of states do not provide for uh, the right to counsel in a post conviction setting, and so and so the thing that stands out to me is 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 uh, there although there have been reforms quite clearly. Uh, over the years with with the uh, uh, realization that there are wrongful convictions, for instance, you know, like in eyewitness identification, a lot of the procedures now have been changed to try to minimize the, the chance of a, of a misidentification. But in a lot of other places, they have uh, uh, of, of limited the person's ability to litigate their case. Hmm. And, 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 and that's what really stands out to me because you have evidence that something bad is happening and and you're basically saying we're not going to hear it right. and so that that's that's the major thing i think that stands out it stands out now you mentioned uh changes and reforms and and that was going to be a, a question i wanted to ask you as you went along you obviously did see changes in procedures that were better so I would like you to talk about that, but then I would like you to say, um, tell me what you think about reforms that should be part of the justice system, but they are not yet there. So if you could go back to the reforms, the things that have happened over the years that were positive, good good changes. And well, I mean, you mentioned I, witness misidentification. You could say Right. Well, that, that's a large, large, large question. <laughs> I don't think a... we have the, <laughs> the time to cover it. But, but, okay. but, but one of the, uh, you know, one of the, you know, true reforms is, is how you go about doing like, you know, uh, identifications and photo identifications and where they uh, want to, you know, just to simplify it, you know, they'll have, uh, you know, you have a witness and you want to show that witness, you know, pretend, the photos of potential suspects and you'll have a, a police officer who's not working on the case and doesn't know anything about the case, show the photos as opposed to somebody who's working on the case and thinks they know who did it. And so you, you have them, uh, uh, you'll have the person, you know, a so-called blind uh, right. you know, presentation uh, present the photos, and 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 it's been shown that you know, in, in in some you know studies that that reduces the incident. And the other thing that they did was uh, another reform has been you don't show an array, you know, a group of photos, different people together. You show pick photos, individual photos of potential suspects to the person. And so they just see one face because it's been shown that when you look at an array of say six or eight people, you're going to choose the person who you believe looks most like the person as opposed to looking like the person. And so, you know, those kinds of, you know, that's one of the reforms and that came out of, you know, 
a lot of the exonerations based upon DNA evidence were scientifically shown that you know the person couldn't have committed the crime, but yet they were identified, and the witness came into court and swore that was the person who you know sexually assaulted them, or I just the person I saw running away from the shooting, all those kinds of things. Another a big reform has been, like in New Jersey, they uh, have you know the incidence of uh, false confessions uh, became you know, fairly, uh, uh, you know, uh, shocking that where people would falsely confess the crimes and they would get convicted and then they would deny that they committed the crime and, and you have to litigate that. And so they started, uh, uh, when police are interrogating a suspect, that that entire interrogation has to be videotaped. So you can see, you know, whether the police are planting information into, you know, given the, 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 the person being interrogated information and or they're coercing the person. So it's, you know, it's a much more objective um, look for a fact finder or a jury or a judge to see when they're determining whether a statement is truthful or not truthful, whether the person was coerced or not coerced, and, you know, in, in some fashion. So, I mean, those are kind of like, you know, the, the broadest, you know, right. kind of uh, the broadest reforms that have been made in, 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 in kind of how police go about doing their business. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, an open discovery um, where the prosecutor has to share all the discovery, all the reporting um, is another way of ensuring that you know, uh, uh, or minimize, trying to minimize the, the incidence of wrongful convictions where it's not, uh, you know, it's not a game of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, um, ambush, basically, where the prosecutor's got to tell you what the evidence is so you're able to investigate it and research it and talk to the witnesses and know who they are, know what they've said in the past and really properly prepare for a trial. I mean, that's a, a, you know, kind of essential to a fair system sure. is that everybody would know, you know, kind of who the witnesses are, uh, potentially what they've said about you. Why, why are they saying this? Uh, you know, you know, for instance, you have an alibi. How, how are you saying I was there when I wasn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you see what they say and then you can uh, um, obviously, you know, investigate and, and, and by speaking to the witnesses yourself. So I mean, those are some of the you know basic reforms that that have uh, um, you know been done over the years. Another thing that they've done is they, uh, with the high incidence of uh, of wrongful convictions, you know, you know, when you see it in a in, when we're we're in election season right now, you see it where uh, as, uh, district attorneys in the various counties across the United States. Depending upon where you are, there's been uh, a you know Philadelphia being the the, the really uh, um, big example of it, you know run on a progressive a so-called progressive platform, where they have conviction you know integrity units, where they go about trying to uh, um, you know investigate uh, claims of wrongful conviction with you know in prosecutions that they handled. You know, in, in the past, and so I mean that that's a reform um, where prosecutors generally, uh, throughout 
history of the knee-jerk reaction to you saying you're innocent and you were wrongfully convicted is is the jury spoke. You know, you've got a chance to litigate your case. You are guilty, and they would oppose it tooth and nail. Um, and so, uh, you know, conviction review, conviction integrity units have grown up, uh, grown up around the country in in various you know various parts of the country. They they so they they are by no stretch of the imagination universal to all prosecutors' office, offices, and and they differ in their effectiveness in the prosecutors' offices that have established them. Um, and you know, and, and a lot of that depends on how independent they are from the the actual prosecutor. Um, can they actually call the shots, or is somebody else calling the shots that is not in the integrity unit? And and so so the 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 effectiveness of them, I think, varies from you know office to office. I see. So now to reforms, if you could wave a wand. What would you like to see um, in changes wherein the whole issue of what well, I would like to one of the things I would like to see, I would like to make it a, uh, a, a like a wave of wand <laughs> would be, you know, well, you would have you would have better trained lawyers defending people. Right. And uh, lawyers not uh, defending people just to, you know, because they they're, they're on a, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 a role of where, where they can get the public to pay them fees for handling cases where you have really well-trained lawyers that know what they're doing uh, trying, you know, these serious felony cases, um, you know, these murder, and most, of these, most of all these cases are murder cases and, and you would have better trained lawyers and you would have prosecutors that absolutely uh uh, uphold their responsibility to try to do justice as opposed to just getting a conviction and making a reputation for themselves so they can you know advance in their careers or what they perceive as the need to get convictions so they can advance in the, in their careers and you'd have you know the ethical i mean the system is only as good as the people within the system and so you have to have and then you have to have judges that are open to hearing these cases that when, when people are saying, no, I was in this courtroom and I got wrongfully convicted. I was innocent and I got convicted. And here's, here's my, you know, evidence and hear it, hear the evidence and, and, and judge the evidence objectively, not look at the evidence in, okay, where do I go to be able to deny this application, which I think mm -hmm. often is the case with judges. And so, so I, you know, it's the fairness of everybody is important. And, and 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 as I said, it's only as good as the people within the system. So I mean, that's a that's a you know a hard uh, uh, reform. <laughs> you know, I mean, I you know, I I, I, and I as we go along, and and the idea that you know we we see it in in you know you know with the George Floyd case, the more and more the people involved in the system realize that they're going to be held accountable, mm -hmm. I think is is the only way that people within the system will behave in 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 the manner in which the system was designed. So so and 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 they behave responsibly and ethically and, and reasonably. If there were more accountability across the board, would we see a whole lot less 
wrongful convictions? Oh, I think absolutely. If there was more accountability, if there was more, if if there was more accountability, you would see less. You would see less wrongful convictions. I think you'd see um, at, at times less charges filed against people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and where they exercise their discretion in a in a you know kind of a, a very objective, honest way. I mean, sometimes people get charged because, you know, the public's outraged. you got to charge somebody. Please right. feel pressure. Please arrest somebody because the pressure is being put on them. They put pressure on, you know, people below them, which generally is is the person that gets accused. So, yeah, so I, absolutely. I think if, if, if the, the system says it's about doing justice, and so... If you want to do justice, you know, it, that doesn't mean get a conviction. Yeah. That, that means, you know, uh, try to find, if there's a wrong that's been committed, try to find the person who actually committed the wrong. And that's the person you charge. You don't just charge somebody because the wrong has been done. And you, ha- and you, ha- and you have to make the public think that something is being done about it. I mean, that, that's not justice. No. And I think often... That's what happens. Yeah. I, I, there's also something I've read about a lot, uh, confirmation bias, where, you know, you've got your man or woman, and don't confuse me with, you know, uh, another possible avenue because we got what we need. And, and that's, right. that contributes also. Well, I mean, a lot of times, you, you know, you, you, you'll see cases where, you know, uh, the police basically, uh, you know, try to put the square peg in the round hole yeah. because they have they have a theory of the case mm-hmm. and they run with the theory of the case and facts that contradict the theory are ignored. Exactly. But Larry Walker case is an example. Of it. Really? Larry Walker case is Larry was seen by the people who identified him over the victim's house three, four days before. Right. And so the vic- so the people who see these thieves and murderers flee in the scene, believe the one guy looks like the guy they saw over the house three days before. But the police, that ended the case, despite the fact that another witness within 10 minutes of this crime Tells them, I know the guy. <laughs> he he it hangs out in a bar that I frequent. I know him. Incidentally, that witness was was a witness in another murder case and was killed to silence her within uh, like four or five, about six months after witnessing this this incident. And so they, they were never they were never uh, around to be able to really shed light on yeah. you know, the, the true facts. So so the police had this these two witnesses that said they could identify him. He was the guy who was over the house on Saturday. This happened on a Monday, and they had this other witness, which clearly contradicted that. They never spoke to that witness. They went with these two witnesses. Forgot about the witness that would be clearly, uh, you know, tell them something differently. Yeah. And they wrapped up the case. They sent Larry off to jail for 38 years. That's right. So, 
you know, yes, you know, confirmation biases are really yeah. a, a, a really a big problem, and that's police training, which is yeah. you know another aspect of this, where where they actually, uh, um, um, and and that, a lot of that I I think comes down to supervision, and and review by uh, you know the people over over the in actual investigating detectives to make sure that you know they filter that kind of information out. And that encompasses taking all the information and considering all the evidence, not just, you know, That's, not writing the report because the witness said something I didn't like, <laughs> you know, you know, that's why in, when you're doing the, uh, the interrogations and we're tape recording interrogations, that can't be done if you're tape recording. If for instance, if the police tape recorded every interview they did with somebody, no matter whether they thought that interview was important or not important and disclosed it, that would change the game quite a bit because there'd be a whole, a whole bunch more information, but the police aren't required to, to, to record even by way of a report that they write themselves, let alone tape record all their interviews. If they tape recorded all their interviews, this information would be known to everybody. So that would be a reform if that could be done across the board would be very well worth. Yeah, doing. I think that, yeah, that would be a radical reform. They would consider it rather radical reform. You know, police couldn't, you know, a lot, a lot of times in these cases, you, you'll be contending that the police provided the information to the witness and the witness is really just parroting the information. You know, you could do it through leading questions, you know, you know, it, you know, did you see the red car go down the road? Who said it was a red car? Who said mm -hmm. it was a car? You know, I mean, they give the information to the person and then the person gives it back. And if you recorded all these things, you would know that exists. You would know that happened. You would know that the, the words didn't come out of the witness's mouth. The words came out of the police officer's mouth. And, and that, you know, when you're evaluating whether that's a truth, truth or not a truth, that's very significant to know what the source of the information is. Sure. We have only a little bit of time left, and I was going to ask you, um, are you, have you been in touch with those you have helped exonerate uh, years ago? And, and we've only got a little bit of time, but I wondered if you, you know how they're doing. Those you have helped. I know. I know how you know many many are doing. Do you? Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, a reality is uh, a lot of these uh, uh, men, and 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 I've represented women too, but a lot of the, the men do not live a long time after uh, they've been you know in spent all that time in prison. I mean, prison is not a is not a healthy environment to have to, and, and in spending, uh, you know, 25 years, 30 years in, 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 in prison and being innocent. So you're spending it, it you know, I, I, I assume it's not as unhealthy if you're guilty. I, I don't know if that's, that makes any sense, but it probably doesn't, probably, probably a stupid statement, but it, it it's a different mentality, clearly, of being in jail and, and in prison, knowing you're innocent. And uh, the toll that has to take, I mean, we all know if, if we have, are forced to endure some indignity in life in, a, in, in, in our daily, you know, comings and goings, how outrageous, how outraged we are. 
about yeah. it. You've really been, you know, victimized in that way, in some way. And can you imagine being victimized in, in a sense of no. put in jail, told you're guilty when you're not guilty, and put behind bars and lose everything you have? So, uh, you know, um, yes, no, I've been in contact with the, with, with the people I can be in contact with. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, not, um, you know, not on an everyday basis. You know, no, I didn't mean that. We have gatherings also with our, our, our exonerees. Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's some opportunity. Yeah. It is a tragic and sad um, fact of reality, this whole issue. And I appreciate that you have shed light on it for us with all the years of experience you have had at Centurion. And um, I appreciate your time and your willingness to be here today. And we look forward to meeting Larry and Sharina, his daughter, next time on Pursuing Justice. So Great. Please, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for thank being you. with us. Thank you. Bye-bye.